Would you turn to two openings this evening? Go to Psalm 4, please. And then we'll be going to Psalm 91. Song 4, Song 91. We've been on the subject the past several Friday nights of protection. And we're calling this perfect protection. Anybody interested in protection? Hmm? Perfect protection. In Psalm 4, Psalm 4, we've read it repeatedly. He said, verse 8, the last verse of Psalm 4, I will both lay me down in peace and sleep. Don't need drugs. Hmm? Don't have to drink myself till I pass out or take anything. Or He gives his beloved sleep. I don't have to toss and turn because of guilty feelings, guilty conscience. I can lay down in peace and sleep. Don't have to be afraid something might happen to me while I'm asleep. For you, Lord, only make me dwell in safety. You only, Lord, make me dwell in safety. One translation says, you keep me perfectly safe. You keep me perfectly safe. Is that something the Lord has committed to do for us? Hmm? Now, like we've said, the Bible tells us, the New Testament says, in the last days... There'd be perilous times. Evil seducers would wax worse and worse. People would be selfish and mean and cruel. Do all kind of bad things. And we live in a dangerous world. Don't we? More ways than one. Every day. Not a day goes by. That you don't hear on the news. Somebody killed somebody. Somebody robbed somebody. Somebody hurt somebody. Hmm? Some natural catastrophe. Some wreck. Some crash. Some poisonous something. Some bad food. On and on and on. We live in a dangerous place. Don't we? There's stuff happening all around. And a lot of people, bless their hearts, they get to thinking about it. And they get scared. And hence, all of the resulting phobias. You ever looked up the list of existent phobias? Hmm? I mean, there are fears of being alone. Fears of being in a crowd. Fears of being too high. Fears of being down low. Fears of being in a closed up place. Fears of being in a wide open place. Fears of cats. Fears of dogs. Fears. I talked to a person one time. Their big fear was fear of breathing. Yeah. They were terrified of all the contaminants floating in the atmosphere. And so they never did anything without masks on. And gloves, 
And, you know, we just got a letter recently, more than one, of people that had gotten a hold of the series on free from all fears. And people that had gotten to the place where they wouldn't even leave their house. And now they've left home. (laughs) And travel and do what they like. Because they got free. I said they got free. But see, people get to thinking about, oh, it's dangerous out there. It's dangerous out there. Oh, people will kill you. Oh, people will run over you. Oh, it's dangerous out there. It's dangerous out there. Well, it is. I said it is. And it's getting more dangerous. And we don't have scripture to stand on for you and I to believe that the whole planet's going to become safe. Well, I'm just going to pray that the whole planet becomes safe. Based on what? He told you it's going to get worse. Well, you got to believe what he said. So no, it's dangerous. And it's going to get even worse. But. But. Can God keep you safe in the middle of a dangerous place? Can he do it? Oh, yes, 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 and yes, he can keep you perfectly safe in the middle of all kind of bad stuff. Go to Psalm 91, please. Psalm 91. Somebody might say, well, Brother Keith, you, you said almost that same thing last week <laughs> and the week before that. And the week before that. Yeah, I know. And I'll probably say almost the same thing next Friday. (laughs) And it's not because we're short on material. (laughs) Why? Why? Because it's not what you've heard and it's not what bounced off your eardrums and you registered in your head. You got to get it in your spirit. Hmm? And faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of the anointing, the word of the Christ. It has, when you keep hearing the same thing with that same anointing on it, it has a pounding effect on your spirit. And what it does, it pushes out the fear. And it pushes out the unbelief. And uh, you might think, well, I'm a quick learner, Brother Keith. I got it the first time. No, no. No, if you did, you'd be shouting. (laughs) Just because you heard it and thought you understood it some and remembered it in your head doesn't mean you got it. You don't believe God with your head. Hmm? The Bible says, for with the heart, man believes. You don't believe God with your intellect. You can have all kind of stuff committed to memory and be defeated in life. How can you tell when you really begin to believe it? (laughs) You get excited every time. I said every time. And you know, you may hear it and go, yeah, that's good. And hear it and go, yeah, that's good. And hear it and go, yeah, that's great. That's good. Hear it. Yeah, that's good. Hear it and hear it. But then when it begins to drop down in your spirit, you begin to get excited in ways that you can't explain. You can't really tell it. What? It's becoming real to you. It's 
becoming, when I was in healing school years ago, what reminded me, we were up in Delaware, what, a week or so ago, and a lady got up and testified how God had healed her of cancer. And she got that series on uh, receiving ministering healing. And it was kind of new to her. But she just listened to it and listened to it and listened to it and listened to it over and over and over again and over again and over again. I mean, they told her, you know, get your business in order. I mean, you, you probably hadn't got long. And now they're going back to the same doctors. They said, there's no trace of cancer. She's healed. We received two or three of those just this month, didn't we? Same type of thing. It's the Word. He sent His Word and healed them. How many know that's worth more than money? You can't buy that with money. That's something money can't buy. And a real similar thing to that had happened, I don't know, this must have been 15 plus years ago. A lady testified, and I knew she had, in healing school, we had it every day. And she just came every day for months. Months. Somebody say months. Months. Well, then she's hearing some of the same truths over and over again. And I'm sure her head's saying, I heard that last time. I got that. Yeah, I know. First Peter 2.24, by his stripes I'm healed. Yeah, I know. I know. Matthew 8.17. Yeah. Isaiah 53. He carried our pains. He bore our sicknesses. Yeah, I know. I know. I know. I know. Now, when you're thinking like that and feeling like that, you ain't got it. Tell your head to shut up and hear it again and again and again. It's not mental knowledge that gets you healed. It's faith. Faith is not of the intellect. Faith is not a product of your mind. With the heart man believes. And this lady over a period of months and months and months. And she came back. She had a good report. From the test, she's clear, she's healed. She got up and testified. Somebody said, well, a friend of hers said, well, how did that happen? How did that happen? They said, you're going to die. How did that happen? She said, I just kept putting the word in. She said, I just put the word in in the morning and the noontime and the nighttime. I mean, I ate, slept, drank, breathed it. I just kept putting the word in. She said, I guess there was no more room for the cancer. I just kept putting it in till there was no more room. And that's exactly right. I call it the law of displacement. You get full of faith, there's no room for fear. You get full of life, there's no more room for death. Get full of healing, there's no more room for sickness. Hmm? How do I do it? We're telling you. Just keep hearing it over and over. Just keep hearing it. Just keep hearing it and talking it and hearing it. And eventually, if you don't quit, it'll get in you. How can I tell it's getting in me? How can I tell I'm getting in faith? You will begin to get excited. Not put on, genuinely. You'll begin to get excited. And even if you think you're reserved and don't act like that, you'll still start to act like that. You'll begin to smile and you'll wave your hands and you go, glory to God, even though you think you're not one of them. (laughs) You get enough word in you, enough faith in you, it'll come out. You'll get excited. Glory to God. 
Well, let's get fear out of us. Fear of dangers. Fear of problems. Fear of death. And get full of faith for God to protect us. Now there's be hard to find a better word about protection than Psalm 91. And we've been on this for week after week. Psalm 91. You like Psalm 91? You know there are millions of people never even heard of Psalm 91? Sad, isn't it? Well, that means you need to know it well enough to tell them about it. And didn't intend to do this, but the Lord has led us to just do this verse by verse. And go through it. And what we've seen as we've studied Psalm 91 is that there are two sides to this thing. Like always. There's a manward side. There's our side. And there's a Godward side. There's his side. There's things we're supposed to do. And he tells us if we'll do that, then he'll do this. That has to do with protecting us and keeping us. Now, millions of Christians don't like talking about that kind of thing. Millions, millions of Christians in all groups and denominations believe in what I call no-fault religion. What I mean is no matter what happens, it's not our fault. No matter what doesn't happen, it's not our fault. God's ways are mysterious, and you just never know. So-and-so was protected. Isn't that wonderful? Yeah, you just never know. So-and-so wasn't protected. Good people, but they weren't protected. And they got cut off in midlife. Well, isn't that strange? But we just never know. God just didn't see fit to protect them some way or another. He needed another angel in the choir. He loved them so much he couldn't let them finish out living their life. He had to take them right now. And on and on and on. And people avoid dealing with this issue that maybe they didn't do something. That they should have, well, they were good people. I didn't say they weren't. You can be a good person and do a dumb thing. Yes. <laughs> right? You can be a great person and still be ignorant of stuff. Right? But I'm convinced it's God's will to protect and keep all of his children. Are you? But... We have a part to play in it. We must do our part. Now let's review a little bit. Psalm 91. He that dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow, the protection of the Almighty. We talked about that shadow. We talked about, it says here just a moment later in verse 4, he'll cover you with his feathers. Under his wings you'll trust. He has a canopy of protection. He can cover you. I believe in the middle of an atomic blast. God could cover you like a mother hen covers a little chick. And you not even be affected by it. Do you believe that? If you don't, you don't believe in God. Hmm? If you don't believe God could do that, then you don't believe God is God. He's done that kind of thing many, many, many times. He did that over the whole of his people when they were in Egyptian bondage in the land of Goshen. You remember that? And these plagues would sweep through the Egyptians or their livestock, but it wouldn't cross the border. 
of the land of Goshen. There were times when it was pitch dark in Egypt and the sun shining in Goshen. Now, how you do that? That'd be like the sun shining in Arkansas and it's pitch dark in Missouri. How can you do that? Well, God can do it. If there is this canopy around the people, it is a protective barrier. Can you say amen? Amen. Protective barrier. Verse 2, we see it begins to get into our part. What does it say? I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God, in Him will I trust. None of these words are accidental. Every one of these words are very significant that it's worded exactly this way. Did you hear what he said? Who's going to say? I will say of the Lord. Now keep reading. I'm going to say what? The Lord is my, my refuge. And what? And my fortress. And in what? My God. Are you getting the emphasis here? My. See, it's not enough to just believe that God is real. And he's a savior. He must become for you my savior. It's not enough just to believe he can heal. No, you must believe he's my healer. And you got to say it. What does it mean? He's my healer. He heals me. Just like you believe he's my savior. He saves me. He's my protector. He protects me. And you need to say it out loud. And not be ashamed of it. Just like you shouldn't be ashamed that he's your savior. And say it out loud. What if you refuse to say that he is your Lord? Does that make a difference? Is that serious? I mean that's a big part of getting saved right? I mean you believe it in your heart and you what? You confess with your mouth. Jesus is Lord and Jesus is my Lord. Well. Then you're saved. Well, if you want to be protected, same principle. Same principle. You say it out loud. You're not ashamed or embarrassed to say it. And you ought to practice it. Anytime something tries to shake you or scare you or move you, you ought to start talking. Are y'all with me now? Anytime, anytime anything tries to scare you, shake you, move you, what ought to come out of your mouth? The Lord is my God. He's my refuge. He's my fortress. He protects me. He's my God. And He keeps me. Keeps me. Keeps my family. He keeps my stuff. You need to say it out loud. Not be ashamed to say it anywhere at any time. But she still got me. You know, you've heard me say it. And I know it maybe sounds humorous. But you still got millions of Christians. You'd say, you know, if something bad happened, would you be protected? And what will they say? Well, you just never know. We sure hope so. We hope we're okay, but you just, what what do you mean you just never know? People don't believe the Bible. They don't have enough confidence to say what he said to say. See, people quote the 91st Psalm and yet have no faith for God to protect them. It's just a religious ritual. No, you open your mouth 
And you say just like you say Jesus is my Lord. You say God is my refuge. God is my fortress. What does it mean? He protects me. He keeps me. He's my God. I trust in him to do what? To protect me. Whatever you say God will do for you, that's what he has a legal right to do for you. Hmm? I mean, the reason that God delivered Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego out of the fiery furnace is because they were so bold to say, Our God whom we serve is able to deliver us and he will deliver us. You throw us in there, he will deliver us and he did. But see, people think that's being what? Haughty, arrogant. Ah, who do you think you are? Standing up saying, I mean, he gets more bold yet, doesn't he? Yes, he does. Down through this psalm, keep reading. Verse 4, he will cover you with his feathers. Under his wings you'll trust. His truth will be your shield and buckler. You shall not be afraid. Is that our part too? Yes. Must not fear. Don't be afraid for the terror by night. Don't be afraid for the arrow that flies by day. Don't be afraid for the pestilence that walks in the darkness. Don't be afraid for the destruction that wastes at noonday. Can you help it whether you're afraid or not? Yes. Oh, Brother Keith, I try not to be afraid, but sometimes you just can't help. No, he told you don't do it. And this is not the only place. How many know there are many places he said, don't be afraid. Don't let your heart be troubled. Don't be afraid. Be careful for nothing. Don't fret. Don't have any anxiety about anything. Cast all your cares on the Lord. He didn't say try to do it. It's a command. Now if you don't do it, if you yield to fear and you talk fear, then you have taken away his legal right to protect you. I know folk don't like to hear that, but it's just the truth. There's another principle in the Bible. There are other scriptures that say your fears will come on you. And all the scriptures are true. You must not be afraid. Now get this. It's a faith proposition. Did you know that you can be crying. Tears of fear. Knees bumping together. Hair standing up on the back of your neck. And still not yield to fear. Did you know you could have all these feelings. And all these terrible thoughts. And in the middle of it, speak out loud and say, no, I refuse to fear. I refuse to yield to this. God is my God and he will protect me. And that's all God needs out of you. See, the devil will tell you, too late. You're already scared. Silly. Too late. You say, no, honey, too late. I refuse to yield to this. I feel it. I see it. But yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will. That's Will, got nothing to do with feelings. Do you hear that? I will, I will to fear nothing, no evil. I refuse to yield to this. Hmm? So the enemy tricks people all the time with that. Well, you, well, you tried, but it's too late. You're scared. You know you're scared. Admit it, you're scared. No, I have symptoms of fear. I have feelings of fear. I have thoughts of fear, but I refuse to yield to it. I refuse to give in to it. I don't have to be afraid because I have a God who protects me. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge. He is my fortress. He is my God. I trust Him to protect me. He will keep me. What does the next verse say? Oh, look at it. If you won't be afraid, 
if you won't give in to fear. Verse 7, a thousand will fall at your side and ten thousand at your right hand. But it shall not come near you. Do we believe this or not? You got to talk like this. What if such and such sweeps through? And and what if this happens? And and what if this deadly disease? And what if this deadly flu? And what if this? And what if this attack? Well, I can't speak for everybody. Hmm? But even if a thousand die right beside me on this side. Even if 10,000 die on the other side right beside me. It won't happen to me. Let's see, how many Christians talk like that? How many Christians are even taught to talk like that? No, they're taught not to talk like that. Oh, now you watch out. You just say whatever the Lord's will is. Be done. Thy will be done. Somebody says, what's wrong with that? Everything. He told you what his will is. Right here. Well, I just believe, preacher, that pray like Jesus. He prayed, thy will be done, and that's the best way to pray about everything. Jesus wasn't praying for protection when he prayed that. They weren't having a healing meeting in the garden when he prayed that. Hmm? And people are inconsistent. They're hypocritical when they say, if you're going to say you ought to pray that way about everything, then why don't you teach sinners to pray that way? Huh? Why don't you teach them to pray? Lord, if it's thy will, save me. If not, thy will. Oh, well, because we know it's the will. How do you know it's the will of God for them to be saved? How do you know that? Well, the same Bible tells you it's his will for you to be healed. Tells you that it's his will for you to be filled. Tells you that it's his will for you to be protected. Right? Same Bible. But people believe religious tradition more than they believe the Bible. And it robs them. Robs them of their faith. And therefore robs them of their protection. Now you've got to be bold. I said, you got to be bold to be a believer. You got to say what he said, no matter if it's popular. Huh? No matter if religious people think it's cool or not, you got to say what he said. And it's not because you're so amazing. It's not because you think you're better than anybody else. It's just because you believe this. You believe this. So everybody said out, everybody, every voice said out loud, the Lord is my refuge. He's my protector. I will not be afraid of any disease, of any attack, of any disaster. I refuse to be afraid of anything. And because of that, a thousand may fall at my side. Ten thousand may fall at the other side. But it won't come near me. Now, it's your believing that that gives God a right to do it. It's your believing that gives him a right to do it, just like anything and everything in life. Now, let's keep going. Only with your eyes you'll behold and see the reward of the wicked. Because you've made the Lord, which is my refuge, even the Most High, your habitation. Now, who did that? You did. 
There shall no evil befall you, neither shall any plague come nigh your dwelling. Yes, but they said that they just released this chemical weapon and there's this disease in it and it's floating through the air and there is no cure for it. Hmm? It won't come near my house. Yeah, but it's in the air. There's already 9,000 people died in your city from it. No, it can't come near my house. Well, who do you think you are? It's not who I think I am. It's who I know my God is. Well, they didn't want to die either. Yeah, but I can't control what they believe. But it won't come near my house. Can you see? you got to get bold about this. You can't be mealy mouth and let people sway you and let people intimidate you. Now, you're not trying to shove anything down their throat, but you know what you believe for you. And you're settled in it. And nobody can talk you out of it. No. Well, what if such and such happens? Well, we'll be protected. What if so-and-so will be protected? And what if it goes through the whole deal? It won't come to my house. Amen. Well, why in the world wouldn't you think it wouldn't? Psalm 91, 10. It's <laughs> why. It won't come to my house. Somebody said out loud. It won't come to my house. It can't live in my house. Mm-mm. It can't hurt people in my house. Around me and my stuff. Hmm? Why? Because God covers me. Covers us with his feathers. With his power. We live under this shadow. His shadow. His anointing. His power. He protects us. Now I want you to know that we got into some of this last week. But let's go further into it this week. Hold your place right here. And go to the book of John. Go to the book of John and the 14th chapter. And then we're going right on over to 1 John and the 3rd chapter. John 14, are you there? John 14, 21. 14, 21. He that has my commandments, Jesus said, and keeps them. He that does what? Has my commandments and does what? Keeps them. He it is that loves me. He that loves me shall be loved of my father. And I will love him and will what? Manifest myself to him. Is protection a manifestation of God's power and God's person? Healing and deliverance and everything. It's a manifestation of him. He said, I'll manifest myself to him if he does what? He keeps my commandments. Now go on over to 1 John. Can God protect us? Is it his will to protect us? Does he have the ability and power to do it? Can he do it? No matter what evil's out there. Can he protect us from it? Do we have a part to play in this? Does what we do or not do affect what he does? It does. Whether you believe it or not. 
Now, this 91st Psalm starts off with a concept. Can anybody quote it to me again? The 91st Psalm, the first verse. He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High, what? Shall abide. Now, abide is a similar word to dwelleth. Both of them mean, have the idea of living in or staying in. Shall abide where? Under the shadow of the Almighty. Is that the safe place? Where's the safe place? Under His power. Under His protecting power. Everybody say, the safe place. Do you need to stay where that is? Now later on, he said he will cover you with his feathers and under his wings you'll trust. And we see this is used more than once of the mother hen or the eagle that covers over its young. You ever saw a mother hen and the little chicks? And maybe a big dog comes through the yard or something and the mother hen calls for the little ones. They're all picking around. What do they do then? Oh, they come a-running, they come a-running, and the mama hen covers them over, and you can't even see them. Hmm? They're up under there. This is the picture God gives us of his protection. And you remember Jesus, when he came to his own, and his own received him not, you remember he said, oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, how I would have received you like a mother hen, her chicks, but you wouldn't come to me. So do you have to get under the protection? He said, I wanted to cover you. I wanted to gather you, but you would not. You wouldn't come. You wouldn't get under my protection. So the smart little chick runs when mama calls and gets under the feather and under the wing. The little independent chick (laughs) or even the little chick that's going to come. But just later, when the little chick gets through exploring this piece of corn or this bush, how many know being a procrastinating little chick is dangerous? Because you need to be at the right place, at the right time, under the shadow of of the Almighty is the safe place. And He doesn't adapt to you. You're to adapt to Him. He is not obligated to protect you and me just anywhere we decide to go, anytime we decide to go, and anything we decide to do. It is possible to get out from under the protection of the Lord and to be exposed. Are you with me? Got a lot of scripture I can show you on this as time allows us. If it is true that our protection is dependent in large part on us and what we do and don't do, do we need to know what to do? Do we need to understand it? Is it important? Christians are getting taken out daily, aren't they? Prematurely. Christians are dying. 
in car crashes and with diseases and from crimes in large numbers daily. And I do not believe it's the will of God. Hmm? And people tried explaining, well, I just don't understand. They were a good man. They were a good woman. Why did that happen to them? Why did God let that happen to them? You ever heard that? Why? I don't understand. Why did God? That's the wrong question. Wrong question. It's not why did God let that happen to them. The question is why didn't they listen? Why weren't they under the shadow of the Almighty? That's the question. In my small experience. Things with myself personally, us, people I've known, every time there was some danger, there was some problem that I have any personal knowledge of, God was warning us. God was warning them. God was endeavoring to show us. But you don't have to listen. Are you in 1 John 3? 1 John 3, 23. If you keep his commandments... You live in him. You dwell in him. He dwells in you. And he manifests himself to you. Didn't say he's going to manifest himself to everybody. You remember the disciple asked him, how are you going to do that? How are you going to manifest yourself to us and not to everybody? And he just got through telling them. If you do what I say. It's another way of saying keep my commandments. You do what I say. Then I'm going to show myself to you. I'm going to manifest my power to you. To who? The ones who do what he says. First John 3.23. And this is his commandment. That we should believe on the name of his son Jesus Christ. And love one another as he gave us commandment. These two things sum up the requirements of keeping his commandments. Walking in faith. Walking in love. How many know that will keep you busy all day long? <laughs> what? Walking in faith, walking in love. Verse 24 And he that keeps his commandments does what? Dwells in him, and he in him, and hereby we know that he abides in us by the Spirit which he has given us. Quote to me again Psalm 91 1. He that what? Dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow. That's the protective power of the Almighty. How do you dwell in Him? Read it again. Verse 24. How do you dwell in Him? He that keeps His commandments dwells in him, how do you stay in the safe place? How do you stay under the protective force field? How do you stay there? Keep his commandments. Obey him. Right? Obey him. He that keeps his commandments dwells in him and he in him. How are you going to stay in the protected place? You're going to obey him. Now we've seen a number of things. But just recently we saw. One way God protects us. Is with warnings. And we saw. 
that Jesus, as important as he was and is to the plan of God, as a little child, how did the Lord protect him from evil kings and from the enemy that would seek to destroy his life? How did he protect him? He gave warnings to his parents. And they heeded those warnings. What if you don't obey the warning? What if the Lord says, don't stay here, go over there and go now. But you say, nah, I'm busy and I got this plan and I'm going to stay here. Now you are no longer dwelling in the secret place of the Most High. Are you with me now? You are out, you're exposed. Being in fear, being in disobedience is being outside the protection. And this is why so many people get in so much trouble. Now is this just my theory and idea or did you see it here in the Word? Are you supposed to dwell? Dwell. Dwell in Him. How do you dwell in Him? Did you see New Testament scripture about it? How do you dwell in him? You keep his commandments. You do what he says. If he tells you, get up and go over here because the king is seeking to kill you, what do you do? You get up and you go. What if you decide you know better and you're going to stay? Then you're not in a safe place. You are not dwelling under the shadow of the Almighty anymore. You're in disobedience. You're an independent little chick. You're exposed. You're not safe. And the world is a dangerous place. You do not want to be exposed in this dangerous place we live in. Now a lot of folks don't like this. They just want it to be all up to God. And nobody knows and can understand. But it's just not the Bible. Go with me to Judges 19 please. Let me show you some other areas the way this works. Judges 19. People talk about accidents. Accidents. So and so, a drunk driver ran a red light at an intersection and hit a Christian family, and they call it an accident. That's pretty precise timing to be at exactly that spot at that time. Are you with me? So is it really an accident or a setup? You think about timing. I mean, we fly, and once in a while you hear about a, a mid-air collision. The sky is a big place. It's really big. And for two airplanes, as fast as they move, to be exactly at the same place at the same time, don't sound like an accident. You understand what I'm saying? The Bible says we're not ignorant of Satan's devices. One said his schemes. Another translation said his plans. If he's the destroyer, then what's he always doing? Scheming? Planning? Trying to set up for destruction. Stealing, killing, and he's always trying to set things up. But in order for it to work, you have to cooperate with his timetable. You have to show up 
at the appointed time and the appointed place. Elsewise, you miss it. Did you know you could miss the devil's perfect will? Did you know you could completely miss the will of the devil? You just completely miss his will. And just keep missing it. Instead of being at the wrong place, at the wrong time, you're at the right place. At the right time. Judges 19. Judges 19. Said out loud, we are not ignorant of the devil's plans and schemes. The Holy Spirit shows us things to come. Isn't that part of his ministry? Judges. Have you found it? Judges 19. Judges 19 verse 1. It came to pass in those days when there was no king in Israel. There was a certain Levite sojourning on the side of Mount Ephraim. Who took to him a concubine out of Bethlehem Judah. And his concubine played the whore against him. That's Old Testament for a modern thing of having an affair. And went away from him unto her father's house. To Bethlehem Judah. And was there four whole months. Her husband arose and went after her to speak friendly to her and to bring her again, having his servant with him and a couple of asses. And she brought him to her father's house. And when the father of the damsel saw him, he rejoiced to meet him. And his father-in-law, the damsel's father, retained him. Everybody say retained him. Retained him. Uh, One translation says his father prevailed upon him to stay. Now why would you hear language like that prevailed upon him? He must have wanted to go. He must have wanted to go. But his father-in-law retained him. Prevailed upon him. And he abode with him how long? Three days. When he wanted to leave the first day. But he stayed. And he stayed another day. And he stayed another day. And the following verses tell you why he stayed and what's going on. He ate, he drank, and lodged there. It came to pass on the fourth day. They arose early in the morning. Now the first day he wanted to go obviously. But his father-in-law prevailed upon him and retained him. So he's been there an additional three days. And he gets up early the fourth morning. And he rose up to depart. And the damsel's father said to the son-in-law. Comfort your heart with a morsel of bread. And afterward go your way. He's ready to go. What's he say? No, no, no. Come on in here and sit down and eat. And so they sat down. And they'd, they'd eat and drink both of them together. The damsel's father had said to the man. Well, be content. You know, just spend the night. Tarry all night and let your heart be merry. This has happened day after day after day. No, no, we're going to go. No, no, don't go right now. Just wait. Why? Wait. Well, eat breakfast before you go. Don't don't leave on an empty stomach. So they did. Well, let's sit down and talk. You know, you're full. Let your food digest. Sit here and rest some. Well, it's almost lunchtime. Ain't no need in leaving now. I mean, you just have to stop somewhere for lunch. Let's just eat lunch. <laughs> I'm sleepy. Are you? But you don't want to leave all sleepy like this. Let's take a nap. And then you get up and you'll feel good and you'll be ready to go. And Well, it's late in the day now. I mean, do you want to 
start on your trip this late in the day. Sides that, you know, we got some fresh steak. This happened day after day, and they kept pushing it off and delaying and pushing it off and delaying. Now, let me ask you a question. If the Lord deals with you, go now. And you don't go. Are you with me now? If he deals with you, go now. But you put it off a half a day and another day and another day. And he dealt with you, go two days ago. Are you in the secret place of the Most High now? No, No, you're not. How do you dwell in him? By keeping his commandments. So now, they tarried till the afternoon, did eat both of them. And when the man got up to depart, he and his concubine and his servant, his father-in-law, the damsel's father, said to him, Look, you know, the day's drawing toward evening. He's done this three days in a row already. I pray you tarry out. Just spend the night. Just spend the night. Behold, the day grows to an end. Lodge here that your heart may be merry. And tomorrow you can get up real early and go on your way. Well, they've told him this the last four days now. Verse 10, but the man would not tarry that night. And he rose up and departed and came over against Jebus, which is Jerusalem. And there within the two asses and without reading the whole thing. It was very wicked people in this town. And they stayed in this city that they had no reason to stay in. They don't live there. They don't know people there. You know why they stayed there that night? Because they left too late. And if they left early in the morning, they went right through that town, not even slowed down. They're at a city. They got no reason to be there. And wicked men came and surrounded the house and said, bring out that visitor we saw come in. And we want to have sex with him. And the man pleaded with them and they wound up getting the man's concubine. And abused her all night. And she died from it. Terrible. Tragedy. But let's back up. What if they hadn't spent the night there? What if they hadn't even slowed down? They wouldn't have needed to stop. They wouldn't have felt like it was late if they hadn't have got off so late. Now, people don't like to think about this. They don't like to feel like that this responsibility is on us. But it is. I said it is. Again and again and again, bad things happen to good people when they are at the wrong place, at the wrong time. And what happened is they didn't keep his commandments, they didn't do what he directed them to do, and now they're outside of the protective power. And they get in trouble. Look at a contrast. Go to Genesis real quick. Genesis 24. Genesis 24 is the story of Abraham's servant that he sent to find a wife for his son, Isaac. Genesis 24. And you know the story that he, uh, he came out there and to the well and prayed to the Lord. Lord, prosper me. Help me with this thing. And Rebecca came and showed up and was pretty and 
and volunteered to water all of his livestock, which was just (laughs) beyond the call of duty. And then found out who she was, and they're so excited, and they got to the house. And he gave them gifts, and verse 54, they ate and drank, and the men that were with him, they tarried all night, and they rose up in the morning, and he said, send me away to my master. Has he got a sense of urgency about him? He said, now let me go. And her brother and her mother said, well, let the damsel stay with us a few days. The margin says a full year or 10 months, or at the least 10 After that, she shall go. Verse 56, what did he say? What did he say? This is one of Abraham's right-hand men. He's been brought up under Abraham. He's been trained by Abraham. When the Lord says, get up in the morning and take your son up on the mount, you know what Abraham does? He's first thing up in the morning and gone. Are you with me? So what does the servant say? Hinder me not. Did you hear that? Everybody say that out loud. Hinder me not. Don't hold me up. Why? The Lord has prospered my way. Can you hear this? What's he saying? No, no. I'm in the plan of God. I'm in the will of God. God's moving for me. Don't mess me up now. Don't me- I'm right on schedule. I know I am. I'm right on time. I'm where I'm supposed to be. But now it's time to leave. He answered my prayer. Here's the young lady. I got to go. Don't hold me up. If you want to live under the protection of God, you have to think like that. Hmm? Where am I supposed to be now? Where am I supposed to be then? What am I supposed to be? Not just whatever crosses my mind. Hmm? Not just what anybody else comes along and wants you to do. Even good people. Even Christian people. Ministers. Well, if it's a church service, I don't care if the Lord that with you do something else, then you do something else. Well, but I want to go. Don't be led by I want to go. We've already planned it. So, do you want to live under the protection? Of the Almighty. How are you going to dwell there? How are you going to live there? How are you going to stay there? You've got to keep His commandments. Go to another place. Let me show you something else. There's more than one way to get in trouble. More than one way. Go to Second Samuel. You know, I, we fly. I'm a pilot. And I think about these things. But what little I've learned through the years... I do not accept a meeting just because I was invited. I don't participate in something just because it's an opportunity. Did you hear me? Because I know if I'm going to, we're going to get in that airplane and we're going to be believing for good weather. We're going to fly thousands of miles through all kinds of conditions over all kinds of territory. I need to have a knowing in me that I'm supposed to be doing this. Did you hear me? If I'm going to be in this city on this day, I need to know, I need to have a sense in me that I'm supposed to be there. Elsewise, how can I believe for my protection? You say, well, yeah, that's important. You're a preacher. You're supposed to be led. You're supposed to be just as led. 
if you want to be just as protected. Again and again, people are in cities and at times and with people, they got no reason to be there. Did you hear me? Just some wild notion crossed their mind and wrong things are happening. There's one reason I started believing for aircraft. So I could only be where I was supposed to be when I was supposed to be there. Instead of people flying me all over the country. And I got no business in that city that day. Did you hear me? Gives you more control. Somebody said, yeah, but what if I need to fly the airline schedule? Well, if you're supposed to do the trip, the Lord knows what it's going to take you to get there. Right? And so it'll be covered. But do you remember who was it? uh, the, The Kennedy young man, Junior. John Kennedy Jr. had the plane crash. Did you read the details on that and how that happened? He was a young pilot. Not trained well in instrument flying. Which means you're supposed to fly when it's clear. When you can see. That's what he was legal to do. And they're flying across the water. And they're going to have what was a wedding. Is that what it was? And his wife and what was his sister-in-law. Were hours late. Hours late from when he had planned to get there. When he planned to get there, it would have been where he could see and where he was qualified and legal to do. But as hour after hour went by with them doing what? What were they doing? Anyway, now it's dark. And now the conditions are where he can't see. But they feel obligated to go. They're supposed to be there. And now they're in a hurry to get there and rushed. And they all died. People don't like to think about it. But friends, sometimes just you goofing off and dragging your feet and being fleshy and making people wait on you. Could be the difference in just driving through the intersection or being there an hour later when the drunk driver comes through. Are you with me? Yes. We should be led by the Spirit. And you should not have to understand everything. When you get an urgency in you, come on, come on, let's hurry up and get this and, and get around and do it. You don't have to understand that. Just do it. Yeah. Or on the opposite, you got to check. Wait. Well, just wait. Why are you waiting? I don't know, but i got to check. Uh-huh. There's been times we've got to check. Don't go. And we had planned to go. So said, what would you do? We didn't go. What happened? Nothing. And that's good. <laughs> that's good. Somebody say, well, nothing happened, so there wasn't nothing to it. You don't know what would have happened. And you don't have to know. But if you want to live and dwell under the secret place of the most, under the shadow of the protection, you must keep his commandments. Look at this in the Second Samuel. Did I tell you where? 11. 2 Samuel. 11. 2 Samuel. You know, talking about these things, uh, who was it? The uh, the crocodile man that got the uh, pierced in his heart, you know? Uh, Erwin, I always enjoy watching him. 
That was really unusual. What happened to him? And people talk about that and they say, well, just one of them things, just one of those weird things. But I always look for a spiritual principle. And I heard over the news and them talking about it. He told his wife, he told all his friends that he wouldn't live long. He'd die young. Well, he did. And people think, well, that's just odd. That's just strange. No. What if you said, what's the end of this song? With long life, he will satisfy me and show me his suffering. If you're going to make it long life, you got to be protected all along the way to get there. What if you say, well, I don't know why, but I just have this eerie feeling that I'm going to die young. And I don't know why, but I just know it. I just know it in me. I don't know how I know it, but it's one of those things. I just know it. Well, then you don't believe this. And you're not saying this. And it takes you out from under the protection. And if you fear it, it'll come on you. And if you say it for years and decades and set it in motion, you'll have what you say. Hmm? Same thing happened with a, uh, I didn't know him personally, but I know the man who knew him personally, a minister. Fine fellow. Young. In the ministry. And uh, got up in the middle of the night and just grabbed himself and fell dead. And at the funeral, the people were talking, they just didn't understand, what, what in the world? And Brother Hagin, they had called him when it first began to happen. And he said, uh, the Lord told him, spiritual laws were set in motion long ago. And they cannot be changed at this time. Well, the guy lingered for a while. I said he fell dead, but he lingered a while, and then he died. And so at the funeral, people were talking about it, and one of the ministers said, I think you ought to tell them what you told me to Brother Hagin. And they said, well, we know what it is. And his sibling, his brother said, I guess it was his brother or sister, whichever one, they said, "Uh, he used to tell us when we're playing. We're kids. We're playing. And he'd look and say, I'll never live past certain age. Said it to his friends, said it to his mom, said it to his folks. Spiritual laws were set in motion. What are you saying? What are you saying? <laughs> With long life, he will satisfy me and show me his salvation. Is that Bible? Do you have a right to say it and to expect it? Then are you going to die young from a car crash or a plane crash or a crime or a disease? You can't die at 30 and 40 and 50 and so on and be satisfied with long life. You're going to have to be protected to make it. Huh? How many making it all the way? Come on, volunteer. Second <laughs> Samuel 11. Second Samuel 11. Now I know that you, you're sitting here and you're comfortable and you're thinking, well, why is it such a big deal to be so thorough and to go into so much detail? It is. But there's people watching us by internet. They have shooting two blocks from them in the street. Did you hear me? 
Everybody around them hates them and have threatened to kill them openly and vocally because they are Christians. They're interested in this. They don't care how long ago. Because they got to go out that door in a few hours. And it's a dangerous place out there. And you may feel safer here, but there's dangers around here too. Hmm? And dead from being hit by a bus is just as dead as being shot by a terrorist. <laughs> huh? But not us. Not us. We dwell in the secret place. Of the Most High. We live, we abide under the shadow of the Almighty. He protects us. And we stay in that protection. And He keeps us. And we're going to make it all the way. To long, long life. Till we're completely satisfied. And ready to get out of here. Second Samuel 11. Now there's more than one way to get in trouble. Being protected... Doesn't just mean protected from physical injury. Protection covers much broader area. Second Samuel 11. It came to pass after the year was expired. At the time when kings go forth to battle. When who go to battle? Kings. kings that David sent Joab. Is Joab the king? No. No. Who's the king? But David didn't go. He sent Joab and his servants with him in all Israel. And they destroyed the children of Ammon and besieged Rabbah. But David tarried still at Jerusalem. He stayed there. What's wrong with that? Quite a few things. I said quite a few things. For one thing, many chapters later before David was old enough to where he quit leading the army personally. He was still leading the army personally at this time. And this is David's call. If you studied his life, you'll know it was his call to conquer all his enemies. All you got to do is go back to his beginning. How did he start knowing God and the power of God? Huh? One-on-one with lions and bears. (laughs) And then Goliath. Can you see? This is his call. And the people God raised up around him, some of the most courageous lions of men that the earth has ever known. Warriors. This is who he is. This is his call. This is his anointing. This is his life. And these men never fight any better than when they're fighting with him. When he's leading them. And he did it. He did it till he was old. Many chapters past this. So why is this time different? This time, he stays home. Anybody read the story? You know what happens while he's staying home? Where's the protection of God? The protection of God is when you're where he told you to be. Doing what he told you to do. When he told you to do it. That's where you're protected. What if you have another idea? And another plan? Are you still just as protected? No, you're not. You're not dwelling 
in the secret place. You're not abiding under the protective power. So for whatever reason, he said, no, nah, I'm just going to stay at the palace. This is not his call. This is not who he is. David is not a palace lounger. He is not a go to the art gallery and, you know, just banquet every day guy. He is a strap on your armor guy. That's who he is, what he is. He's a look death in the eye and spit in his face and take it down guy. He's no stronger, he's no more anointed in life than when he's doing this. But for this time, he stays in his robe and slippers and sleeps in. And he gets up from a big nap. Verse 2, at eventide, he rose from off his bed. See, I told you. He's laying on the bed. And he walked up on the roof of the king's house, and from the roof he saw a woman washing herself. And this woman was very beautiful to look on, and we begin perhaps the darkest chapter of his life. What if, what if he was out in the battlefield? Leading his men like he had done every time. What if he'd have been out there doing what God called him to do, anointed him to do? He wouldn't even have been tempted with this because he wouldn't have been there and he wouldn't have seen it and he wouldn't have been by himself. Oh, are you listening? Are you seeing this? Being at the wrong place at the wrong time opens the door to temptation. To the enemy. Do you see it? Wouldn't even come up. He couldn't have seen her there. He wouldn't have been there. But how, can you see a setup? He ain't been praying like he should. He ain't been doing what he's supposed to be doing. He's been goofing off. He's been laying around. And he just happens to get up. And walk out at the exact moment that the moonlight hits this woman's body, washing herself. Timing. Can you see this? Set up. Did he have to sin? No. No, he could have turned around and went back in. He could have said, hey, i got to get out of here. I'm going to the battlefield. Tell the guys I'm coming. I'll be there soon. Could have. But he didn't. And you know the rest of the story. He failed. He wasn't protected. Hmm? Does God have power to keep you in situations like this? Can he give you strength so that you don't yield? You don't fall? Can he? But where is this power? Where is this protection? Where is it just everywhere? No, where will it be on you like it's supposed to be? It will be on you when you are where he told you to be, doing what he told you to do. Are you with me? How do you live and dwell in the secret place? You keep his commandments. That's on a daily basis. You obey him. You follow him. You let him lead. Go to Acts real quickly. Let me give you a couple of these so that you'll see New Testament example of this 
even stronger. Acts 18. How many believe Paul's a man of faith? Huh? You believe he could believe for God to protect him? But notice how he operated. Acts 18. Acts 18 and 19. He, Paul, came to Ephesus and left them there. He went into the synagogue and reasoned with the Jews. And when they desired him to tarry longer with them, he did what? He consented not. He bade them. They said, would you please stay with them? They want him to stay and tell them about God. But he said, nope, nope. He said, I got to say bye-bye because I must by all means keep this feast that is coming in Jerusalem. Did he have a sense of urgency about him? I got to be there on that time. And you read other passages that confirm this more than once. He had this sense of urgency. Now, I'm sorry, I can't stay with you. I've got to be there. And if the Lord directed you like that, will you be as safe staying somewhere else? No. If you don't follow that, you're going to get out from under the protection. Now, on another side of this, look in the 22nd chapter. And then I think we're done. Acts 22, 22 and uh, 17. It came to pass when I was coming into Jerusalem, even while I prayed in the temple, I was in a trance. As he's having an experience in God. And saw him saying to me, the Lord said to him, what? Make haste, hurry up, and what? Get you quickly out of Jerusalem, for they will not receive your testimony concerning me. Why not just quote the 91st Psalm? And say, I'll be safe. Hmm? When the Lord says, hurry up and get out of town. That is your protection. Yeah, but I'm a faith man. (laughs) I'm just going to believe God that I'm kept. God's bigger than all these hoodlums and all these unbelievers and all these heathen. He can protect me. Sure, he can. But when he tells you get up and leave. That's what he's doing. It's protecting you. That's what he's doing. And when he says hurry up. Could God have kept him in that city? Could God have protected him and kept him? Did he have the power? Then why did he tell him hurry up and leave? Get out of town. That's the way he wanted to protect him this time. That's how he protected him. Get out of town. And do it now. Hurry up. Don't wait. Don't wait. What if he'd have lounged around and said, well, you know, they didn't have a good price on tickets. Boy, if you get that boat ticket at the last moment, boy, they charge you for it. I'm telling you. And I save $500 by booking the boat ticket in the next week. Well, what good's that going to do if you did? Now, I say that, but do you know how many Christians are led by money? Instead of led by the Spirit of God, they're led by price. Hmm? They'll drive all the way across town through places they got no business being to save three cents a gallon on gas. They do all their scheduling based on the price of this and the price of that. Don't even pray. Don't even check their heart. Is it any wonder? Christians are again and again at the wrong place, at the wrong time, and wrong things happen. People aren't even trying to be led, except by money. Led by money, led by price, led by saving money. Somebody say, not me. Not me. 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 
I'm led by the Spirit. <laughs> so maybe that's a statement of faith. I know it's a statement of faith. I know that's how you've been, but that's why you're here tonight, to get it changed. And that's why we went another ten minutes longer, to get that one. Because you're changing tonight. Stand up on your feet, say it out loud, I'm changing tonight. I'm changing tonight. I'm not a procrastinator. I'm not led by money. I'm not led by price. I'm led by the Spirit. And I'm always at the right place, at the right time. I keep His commandments. I dwell in Him. I live. I stay in the secret place of the Most High. I abide. I live. I stay under the shadow of the Almighty for I keep His commandments. I obey His direction. I follow Him every day, every night, everywhere, every time. Glory to God. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.